Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. Pretty clear. Let's read the verses. It's uh, 1 Samuel 10, and then uh, verses 1 through 6. So 1 Samuel chapter 10 says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, uh, It is not because the Lord hath anointed... Uh, no, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be the captain over his inheritance? It's a question. Okay. When thou art departed from me uh, today... So all of these four things are going to happen in one day. When thou art departed from me today... Then thou shalt uh, find two men by Rachel's sepulcher uh, in the border of Benjamin at uh, Zelzah, and they will, say, uh, they will say unto thee, The asses which thou uh, wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath uh, left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, uh, What shall I do for my son? Verse 3, Then shalt thou go uh, on, the, on, on forward, from thence, and thou shalt uh, come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God, uh, to Bethel, and uh, one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, uh, which thou shalt uh, receive of, thy, of their hands. Verse 5, uh, after that, uh, thou shalt come to the hill of God, uh, where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass, when thou art come, uh, come thither to the city, that thou shalt uh, meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp uh, before them. And they shall prophesy, uh, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and uh, thou shalt be turned into another man." And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou, sh uh, that thou do as occasion serve thee, uh, for God is with thee. And so let's open up with a word of prayer. And, uh, and I'm, we're just going to take a look at these four different things and how they, uh, how, they, how they touch our lives. So let's pray. Lord, we ask your blessing. Uh, it is important for those of us who have made that step to salvation, we look back and we think, like Paul said, it is, it is so vitally important. I mean, if salvation was necessary for me, if one died for all, then all are dead. People need Christ. They need this calling. They need to understand it, though it is intimidating. Uh, if the decisions in our life uh, influence us and so many people, they need, we all need to hear from you. And sometimes that's just intimidating. Uh, it's confusing. And Lord, we pray that you'd use just these four examples to help us and remind us you are trying to give us a message that you are involved in our life, you're personal, your calling is, uh, it is the answer to so many areas. We pray that tonight you'd speak very directly to hearts. There are decisions in this room that need to be made. People have been praying about things. And uh, like so many of us, we, we hesitate because we're just not sure it's your will or it's your leading. Tonight, I pray that you'd confirm that. Use these signs to speak to our hearts uh, about your calling. Pray that you'd bless. We give you this time. Give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what I want to do is we're going to kind of start 
at the end of this. And then we're going to end back on this verse 7. So look at the very, what he says in verse 7, and I want to give you a couple of verses so that we can, uh, we can have a place to finish here. Look at verse 7. So after he explains to them, today, just like tonight we're here, he says in one day, God's going to give you these four signs. Okay? So verse 7, he says, this is how he concludes, and let it be. Okay? And I'm going to give you a couple of verses for this. He says, just let it be. Just let this happen. I know that some of the things that God does in your life are unfamiliar, make you a little nervous. You don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to get going in the wrong direction. He said, just let it be. And he says, when these signs are come unto thee, uh, that thou, and the second thing I want to point out in this, he says, do as occasion, as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. So let's, let's start out and just connect a couple of New Testament verses to those two ideas. Look up at Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And this is where we will finish. Not in Philippians 2, but with this verse 7 here. So in Philippians chapter 2, very similar idea here. And uh, so as, as Paul's writing to the church there, I'll just give you a couple of verses. Look at verse 12. He says, Wherefore, my, my beloved, uh, as ye have always... Philippians 2 verse 12... Uh, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And this is, he says, this is why you do this. This is why you learn to let God work in your life constantly, you know, whether I'm there or not. Uh, he says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Uh, years ago, I've had several different Bibles, and years ago I wrote these these four things next to that verse. Because these are the things, when we were newly saved, not growing up in a Christian family, that helped me understand and, and kind of get to grips with what Samuel is saying to Saul, what I'm saying to you tonight. When, when I was first saved and reading, you know, it's just letting God work in my life, let God make those decisions. Uh, there were, uh, when we were lost, we were lost. Amen? If there had been 100 people and you were trying to pick out a lost guy, you'd have pointed at me. We were lost. We didn't grow up in a Christian family. Okay? And so when we came into Christianity, everything was unbelievably. So many things. I got around Christian people, and I was so amazed because you people took a lot of stuff for granted. And it was all new to me. We were like, whoa, this is, this is unbelievable. We were reading our Bible like God was talking to us. And so when we learned principles of separation where God said, hey, there's some things and some people and some things you're just not going to do anymore. The Spirit of God moved in, started rearranging the furniture. Amen? Okay? And so, it, I mean, to learn these, we had to make decisions that I'd have never made. And you just had to let it be. You just had to let it be. We were just like, okay, we're not quite sure. And you could ask some of the Christians. There's a lot of Christians. Thank you for reading your Bible. Amen. Thank you for reading your Bible. There's a lot of Christians that don't know their Bible. And so when the newly saved people ask questions, they say, hey, can I ask you a question? Can you give me a Bible answer? And you don't always get a Bible answer. So it is necessary for you to read your Bible because there's people like me who had no background in Christianity. And we're just learning it. And we would like you know, and we're, yeah, sure, we should just do it because God said, but we're not really sure. We're a little, I mean, we're going, hey, I'm not quite sure on this one. Can you help me? 
And so those principles of separation were, it was God's leading, but it wasn't my choice. Amen? But I needed to do that. Uh, when you come to the idea of, I remember when my pastor handed me, <laughs> we had this red Bible. We had a red Bible, and we shared a red Bible, you know. And my pastor said, don't even tell me that you guys are sharing that little red Bible. I said, what? Yeah, man, I, I, I thought the guy would say, thanks for coming to church with a Bible. He says, don't even tell me that little red Bible that you guys are handing back and forth is the only Bible you got. That's embarrassing. He said, you need to get yourself a Bible, a real Bible. And I thought, man, my pastor's going to give me a Bible. He went back in the room, and there was this old paperback Bible where the pages were falling out, and he gave it to me. And then it was Shakespeare. Amen? That's what I told him. I took it home, and I read it. I looked at it, and I thought, well, this guy must be broke. You know? And so I, I came back the next week, and I thought, have you ever read this? It is like Shakespeare. It is not even written in English. And he said, don't you know what a King James Bible is? I didn't, I had no idea King James. I said, what does a King James have to do with the Bible? You know? And so I was just learning. I'm going to tell you something. I use a King James Bible today, and I know why I use a King James Bible today, but I would not have chosen back then, newly saved. I wouldn't have chosen, but it is God which worketh in you, both the will and, and it was God leading, and he used my pastor, and, he, and, and there's so many things that were going on that I just had to, what did we say? Let it be. Let it be. That's what Sam, Samuel says to Saul. He says, God's going to do this. He's going to give you some confirmation, and some of it's going to be a little weird to you, but you just got to let it be. Let it happen. It's okay. God's, you can trust God. And so the next one would be the Baptist church. Well, let me tell you something. Mrs. Perkins and I did not come from any... <laughs> we went in. We, we, we did some things with my sister and did fun Christianity and we just needed to learn our Bible. So we hopped around. We were looking for a church that taught their Bible. We walked into the Baptist church, and every little eight-year-old kid, six-year-old kid, knew more Bible than the people we were running with. And we were just like, this is where we need to be. Yeah, I mean, these, these folks, verse by verse, preaching in the Bible. But our church, our church was not the cool church in town. Okay? And so every Sunday... Ruth Ann and Jan sang. And there was only 30 of us in a building this big. And every Sunday, 30 of us would, oh my goodness, you've never heard two people sing so bad. <laughs> and it was, it was, I mean, you would not have, you would not. We would go home and have that conversation going, let me tell you something. We're talking about the Spirit of God is all over the Perkins family because I don't think anybody would go back to that church. You know, it is only by the grace of God that we're going back to that church. And, and, you know, it was a bunch of old people, and we were young then. We had kids and all this kind of stuff, and we were just going, oh, my goodness. You know, but we just could not. We just kept going back home. we go, man, if we can make it through the singing again this week, we get to hear the preaching of God's Word. Amen? <laughs> you know? And that's in some of that stuff, you just got to let it be. You just got to go, hey, I'm not here for the get it over with, Ruth, Ann, and Jen, you know? They go, can we get a special this week? And they just, two old ladies would pop up. You go, oh, no, don't. Come on, preacher, don't do that to us. Okay? We would not have chosen the Baptist church. But, man, I'll tell you what. I praise God for what he did in our family. Amen? And so there's just, uh, there's so many things. Ministry, I would not have chosen ministry. I was a lineman. I had a job. You know, I was making really good money. Uh, it is not like I was going, wow, I hope one day I get to be a pastor. 
okay? Not on the ticket, was not even part of the deal. And so there's so many things. So what Samuel said to Saul, whatever that decision is God's calling you to make, you just need to let it be. You just need to say, hey, God's in this. And some of this stuff, it's not gonna be what I would choose. Some of this stuff is not even what you understand, but you just gotta let it be, okay? It is God leading you. Secondly, on this uh, on the little intro that we're going to finish with, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and then we'll get back to our text and we'll get going. So in Hebrews chapter 10, I think this is a good text where he says, the first thing he says, let it be. And then he says, do as occasion, serve thee. And uh, Paul here in Hebrews is, uh, he's writing and he's explained Christ as the high priest and, uh, and so in verse 22, I'll keep this one a little more condensed. Verse 22, this is what he's saying now. He's saying, let's do this. Because Christ now is the high priest. Let's do this. Okay? Same thing that Samuel said. He said, you just let it be. Don't, think, don't overthink this. But when, when it comes time, you just need to do as occasion God will lead you. Once you get the, the, the ship moving, you know, God will lead you. So in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith, uh, of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. As Christians, we love to talk about, boy, it just seems like the end times, amen? Well, if you really believe that, this text says you need to do as occasion serve thee. If you really believe that, you know what you need to be doing? You need to be in the house of God. You need to be in God's plan. You need to be connected where God... That's what he's saying to Saul. He's saying, hey, you just need to do this. Let it be. Don't think it through. Just let it be and do what God has called you to do. So let's go back and look at these four things. The four signs that Samuel talked about. And uh, <clears throat> let me put my little clock up here so I can be somewhere close. <clears throat> and so uh, <clears throat> the first one here is in verse 2. And uh, he says, the asses, this is sign number one, the asses will be found. You remember that how Saul got going on this whole thing, and it's a fun study earlier in the chapter, and he goes out and he's, he's sent out to get the father's donkeys and bring them back home, and he couldn't find them on his own. If it wouldn't have been for the servant and then the maiden girls, he would not have found them. Amen? That's what happened. Okay, so... Some, it's a great study on leadership. This guy is not exactly role model leader, you know? <laughs> and so, anyway, so we got to take that now because if you've lost some donkeys, I can't help you tonight. <laughs> that is not what we're not talking about, how to find your donkeys. But there is something that happens in people's lives when God is calling you and God is going to, and let's, so let's call this one. You remember who sent him to get the donkeys? It was Daddy. Okay? And so his father had sent him, and it was important for him to come back. And if it wouldn't have been for the servant and the maiden girls, he wouldn't even come back. 
you know, and so it, it, finally they find Samuel and then the whole thing and they get the donkey. So he's going to come home looking like he got the job done. So the sign number one has to do with one of the things that God does in our lives when he is calling you is uh, he made him appear successful in the eyes of people around him. Doesn't mean that he's some big success. Those of you who know your Bible, is he going to be a big success? No, he's not. Saul is not going to be some big role model, successful guy. But in the eyes of his father, he is. And so, and that is one, and let me explain this. In, in Proverbs chapter one, it, it walks you through the purpose of the Proverbs. You know what it says a couple of times in there? It says that God has this way of making even the simple appear to be wise. Amen? Can any of you yesterday simple people who have a little Bible knowledge say amen? amen? Yeah, God did that for you. Some of you, you know, I grew up in a family where, I mean, just I had some reading problems and all this kind of stuff, and part of it was just attitude, and, you know, it was just growing up stuff. But for what a testimony to my family that I made my living. I had a whole career in the ministry reading books and studying and teaching people. To them, they're just like, uh, I don't understand that. How do you explain that? That is God making me. Because he called me and he led me and I followed him, he, he made me appear successful in the eyes of some of the people around me. He gave me wisdom and knowledge. He does that for us, amen? He, give, he has this way where people just go, what happened to you? Are you the person I grew up with? How in the world's that work? God does that for us. Amen? He does that. You remember in Acts, and in some of these, I'm just going to give you the verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, where they're talking about the apostles, and they're saying, these guys just fishermen? Aren't they unlearned men? You know, how did they get this knowledge and stuff? They just, and they said, oh, they spent time with Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's what they said about the apostles. They're going, man, these guys got something. Something has happened, and we're noticing this. That is the confirmation that God is calling you and leading you, and he leads you to get saved, and he leads you to become a father, and he leads you to become a husband, and he leads you to become whatever. But he is going to work in your life, and you follow him, and the people around you, friends and family, will step back and go, what is going on? How do you explain that? How do you explain that old fisherman, that old cowboy, that old lineman? How do you explain that the guy who we were really questioning everything he did is now got some kind of wisdom or knowledge or direction that I, it's above me, okay? That is God giving a sign that it is, it is God that worketh in you both the will and to do it his good pleasure, okay? Can the simple become great leaders? You remember David? That's gonna be our second king. Saul, the great, tall, big guy, picture of leadership, fails pitifully, and some of you, some of you know that. You've worked with people who were great workers until they were in a leadership position, and they couldn't lead. We've all worked in those situations, okay? And that's not bad. Not, leadership's not for everybody. That was Saul, though. He was a, man, he's, a, he's got a lot of integrity and character until he's the king, and then he waffled to the people, okay? And so, yeah, uh, you know, but can David raise up a David? Can, can God raise up a David? A simple, I mean, this young man, yes, he can. 
Some of you have seen that in your life. He raised you up and made you, you know, a leader in, in the eyes of your family and friends. And everybody stepped back and said, what just happened? That was God working in you. Can people who were yesterday's outlaws and tyrants become used of God? May I introduce you to the Apostle Paul who had the Christians killed? That's why the, the believers feared him when he came into their, their assembly. They were like, oh, what are we doing? Why would we let this guy in? What are we going to do with this guy? He was killing us. He's probably here to just kill us. You know, but in time, he became author of half our New Testament. Amen. The great apostle Paul, the replacement, the, <laughs> the original 12th man. Amen, all you uh, Seahawks fan. <laughs> you know what he was? He was the original, the original 12th man. <laughs> Anyway, so let me, let me do this. We'll do it a little. So <clears throat> I don't do this a lot. So I, I will give you an illustration of, you know, I say, hey, you just got to let it be. Uh, in my family, my, my parents are pretty unique. My mom passed away last year. Uh, my parents were married for 29 years. They were divorced for 29 years. And then they got back together. Amen? Is that cool? <laughs> so anyway. Uh, <clears throat> My dad, uh, I don't think, I think he might have said it once before he was 70. I love you. Hug? Hug? <laughs> yeah, we didn't do hug. Not my, my house. Okay, and so, you know, I'm not the huggy, touchy, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't, and, uh, and so... <clears throat> I'll give you a little illustration. Dennis came into our family. When I first met Dennis, I'm telling you the truth right here. I said to my wife, I think this kid's got some kind of insecurity thing. <laughs> if you tell me you love me three times on the same one phone call, I said, man, I just met the kid. Hey, love you, love you, love you. <laughs> it took my dad 70 years to say it, amen? And he was like, I said, what'd you say? Did you say I love you? Don't make fun of me. <laughs> you know? And so Dennis comes into our life and it's, I love you, everything. I mean, we're, we're driving in the car fishing and he's talking to one of you staff guys and he's, hey, love you. And he hangs up the phone. I said, did you just say I love you to your staff? Get out of my car, man. <laughs> but. I don't give a lot of praise to the kids. Hannah knows this. I'm not. I'm the guy who will kick you in the pants and say, you can do better than that. Amen. I am. That's how I was raised. And uh, I think you always can. I think you can always do one more push-up. I think you can always go a mile further if you just push yourself. I just think that way because that's how I grew up. And so, but at the same time, do you not know we're proud of the kids? Come on, we got to do better than the, the, the father. The old father's the only one who said amen. Do you not know that we're proud of the kids and this whole, you know, here at the church and doing all this kind of stuff and serving the Lord? Do you not know that they're, man, we just, we talk about that all the time, how proud we are of them? Amen. Yeah, and do you know how important it is to you that your dad, man, we were talking about that this morning, amen, that your dad or your mom your family looks at you and says, hey, my dad, because he grew up 
tough old, you know, this and that and the other thing. When we first went into the ministry, he looked at it like, that's just, man, that's like, you're living on freebies all your life. You're a handout guy. That's how he, he just, fine if you want to do that. You had a decent job. You know, you were a lineman type thing. Took him a long time to work through that, you know. And so, let me tell you, all of us to have our parents. And that's one of the things that God does. God, when, he, when he's calling you to make a decision, he's saying, man, just trust me. Just let it be on the other side of this. You will see your family, your brothers and sisters and friends and people around you will think you've got some kind of credibility. I'll give that to you. We all want it. We all want our parents and we want that respect. Amen? And that's one of the things. That is the sign. So Saul, Samuel says to Saul, he says, hey, the asses are going to be found. And in Saul's mind, he's going, I get to go home, and my father's going to say, a boy, Roy. Good job, Bob. You did it. You did what I sent you to do. Okay? Number two. Verses three and four. And this one's kind of fun. It's where, and you can go read it. We already read it. And so uh, <clears throat> in verses three and four, it's where he says, you're going to meet the guys, and they got the goats, and they got the, the bread, and they got the wine. Okay, and so he says, this guy's going to show up, and, and it's got to happen all exactly the way it was said, or it's not really fulfilled. If he'd have given him one loaf of bread or one of the goats or something, then it wouldn't have been. He'd have said, hey, I thought he said he was going to give me two loaves of bread. He gave me a goat, you know. He gave him the two loaves of bread, okay, and, uh, and so in this one, the sign is that God has some pretty unusual ways some unlikely ways of providing for us. We can stop right here and have a testimony meeting tonight of how God has blessed people in this room, okay? Uh, I was talking to some of the people that have been around here since day one. The idea and how the whole unbelievable circumstances of how this church started and the timing of things, man, it is unbelievable how this all fell together and got started. And you're right, I mean, you're in a building, you know, that it was all the beginning of this miraculous thing, and you're just going, wow, you know. And God has this way of doing that to help us to remember he can provide for us. God can afford whatever he calls you to do, he can afford it. He can bless and he can make it happen. And, and so this is very specific in this whole thing. And, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, churches starting and church planting, uh, the very same similar thing happened not too long ago, a year or two ago, with Tenasket. If you ever get a chance, you're up in Tenasket, go to Tenasket. What a blessing. Those people, uh, the pastor was heading out of town, called me up and said, hey, uh, need to talk to you. And he was heading out of town. He was gone. And uh, so he said, either if you won't take the church, we're going to shut it down. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, slow down. I'll meet with you. We met with him. I took the church as pastor. My guys went over there and preached. My guys just went over there. I hardly ever went over there. They didn't want me there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the fun guy. That's what they would say. Could you, they would pick these guys. Could you have brother so-and-so or brother? He's so much fun. They didn't like me because I sat them down and I said, hey, let's look at your books and look at the books. They got $300. And they had like five or $600 worth of bills coming due in a couple of weeks. And I just said, well, here's the bad news. Here's, you know, we, we're going to do some business here. Here's the bad news. If you think that we're just going to bail you out, ain't going to happen. What we are going to do is we're going to get together and pray, and you're going to see unbelievable activity of God, or this church is history. 
We're going to beg God. You would not believe. I've got, the, I've got the paperwork in the front of my Bible. I could show you. You would not believe what, what has happened. They got the church is running good. People are getting saved. They got money in the bank. Let me tell you, they're not fussing over $300 today. Amen? You know, and God blessed in that, and he can do that. And I love it because, and they still, those same people just, they go, oh, Pastor Perkins. You know, they don't like me to be there because I'm the bad news guy. I came in there, and they, they said, well, we don't want to do anything to our missions program. I said, let me tell you something. You don't have to do anything with your missions program anything like that because in 30 days of PUD, they don't take faith. Amen? They're going to shut your lights off and kick you out of here. So you're either going to follow my lead or you're going to lose this thing. And they're like, well, why do you come over here? I said, I'm, I'm your pastor right now, okay? So this is what we're going to do, you know? I'm not asking. We're not voting on this. There was only three people. <laughs> so anyway, we, got, we covered the ground. And the big story is those people now... They just go, wow, let me tell you something. God can do anything, amen? God can do anything. He has restored their, their zeal and fire and expectation of God, and they're all excited about it, and they're just going, let me tell you something. God wants to show you whatever he calls you to do, he can, he can provide for you in the most unlikely ways. And so let me do this, though, because when you're studying Saul, you got to do this. Look at chapter 9, verse 7. Okay, so we're in 10. This is where he's given the confirmation. Chapter 9 is where they're sent out to look for the donkeys. And so in 9 and verse 7, so I don't turn this into a big old study. So they get to the point where Saul wants to give up. He just says, hey, we can't find the donkeys. Let's go home. The servant then is the one who says, hey, I know this guy, the prophet, the seer, Samuel. And he says, everything this guy says comes to pass. Maybe we should go ask him. Wow, what a great idea. Maybe you should go talk to your pastor. Amen? <laughs> you know, maybe somebody would get together with somebody you know who's a Christian, who's reading their Bible, who's walking with the Lord. Maybe you should get some advice. Here's the servant telling the potential king in verse 7. He says, this is Saul's response. Uh, they're talking about uh, going and seeing. He says, then, then Saul said to his servant, he says, but behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man of God? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring, uh, present to bring the man of God. Uh, what have we? So here your next king is so noble, he is going gonna to offer the man of God a piece of bread. Impressive, huh? Look at verse 8. And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. And so... You do know, you do, you have read 1 Corinthians, or is it 2 Corinthians? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and it talks about if you sow sparingly, yeah, you're going to reap sparingly. It says Galatians 6, behold, God is not mocked. Everything you have, God gave you, okay? And if, you, if you're just holding on to it, it says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Do you know what the king got back after he offered? He said, hey, if we're going to go see the man of God, we don't even have a chunk of bread to give him. Do you know what he got for a sign? A couple loaves of bread. A couple loaves of bread. It's just God saying, hey, I'm going to give you a sign that I can provide for you anytime, anyway. <laughs> I just wanted you to remember, you're going to pretty much get what you invest into this. Just a couple chunks of bread. Okay? 
And so God can do whatever. That is one of the things that you will see. When he calls you to do something, he can provide. When we moved to Republic, literally, we had $2,000 and a 1970 Chevy Suburban. We did not raise support. We just moved there. Okay? We just, for long story, we just said, rented a house. Let me tell you something. We got, I wish I had that 1970 Chevy Suburban back, but we got more than $2,000. Amen? God has blessed you. Would not, you cannot even begin to believe what God has done for the church, for the Perkins family. And it's just God saying, hey, if I call you to do it, don't even think about it. I'll provide for this. I'll make it happen for you. Number three, in verse five. Number three is in verse five. And then this is the one where he says you're going to meet some prophets. And I really believe this one is true. I I don't think we give it as much credibility as we should. But uh, when God is calling you to do things, and especially when you first get saved, we saw this very evidently in our lives. Uh, he, uh, He exposes you to people who, who make a priority of truth. We don't always follow that. But God is trying to get you around people and, and give you that chance. And so my sister ran with a bunch of people, yada, yada. And so we ran with them because it was fun, exciting Christianity. But, uh, you know, right off, I grew up respecting the Bible. And so when you stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, that bothered me. Amen? Thus saith the Lord. If I stood up here tonight and said, thus saith the Lord, in five minutes I'm going to grow a tail and donkey's ears. Okay? (laughs) If I'm sitting out there, I'm watching my watch. And I better see donkey ears and a tail in five minutes. And we're not talking six or ten. Okay? And so when people did that stuff, man, I'm telling you what, I just... I had questions, and then I had a bad attitude. And they said, you know what, you got a bad attitude. And I said, oh, it's getting worse, let me tell you something. (laughs) I'm not putting up for this stuff. Man, I bring my family to do this. You're not going to just tell me willy-nilly, and I'm supposed to accept it because you put thus saith the Lord on it. And so right off, early on, before we knew a lot of our Bible, we learned verses like this. Let me show you this one, Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, verse 21. Because we didn't know our Bible, but we were trying to learn you know, what do we listen to and what do we follow? You know, God help us to find some Christians who know their Bible so we can learn. Get us in a, <coughs> in a direction here where, uh, where we can learn. So look at uh, let's see, Deuteronomy 18, 18, verse 21. 18 and verse 21. Let me find my place here, 18, 21. It says, if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? It says, when, when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. And when you're newly saved and your sister's patting you on the head and saying, oh, don't worry, you're just a baby Christian. You'll understand some of this stuff. And this guy's over here saying, thus saith the Lord, and he doesn't know his Bible at all. Okay? I mean, it's kind of a mix between, I don't want to know what God's doing, but I'm a little intimidated. I mean, is this guy speaking the truth or, you know, I mean, where, where do we stand with this stuff? So that's, the Bible just says, hey, let me tell you something, this is what you do. If people say stuff and it doesn't come to pass, you need to just, and this is how you do it. If your friends don't care about what the truth is, you need new friends. Amen? 
And that's what, here we are, we, we were yesterday running with all the lost people and the sinners and everything, and we get saved, and we're thinking, well, God, I get around some Christian people. We get around these Christian people who could care less about the Bible. Oh, and that was my second worst. Let me tell you something. If you say, I don't care what the Word of God says, I, this over here, man, that just used to rub my fur the wrong way. I used to get so out of place with that. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not doing that. We're doing church right now. We're, we're reading the Bible and stuff. I don't want to hear that, you know? And, and so if you've got friends who don't care about what the truth is, you need new friends. And so we had to. Here we came from the lost world, and the Bible said, you got to get rid of, you know, got to put your distance there from some of these people. We come into Christianity, we get around people who don't care about the word, the word of God says, and now we got to leave them. And at a certain point, man, you run out of people to throw out of the boat, amen? And you're just going, man, we're thinning them out quick here. You know, Lord, are we ever going to have a friend? Is there anybody who wants to be a Christian and read their Bible? And we walk into Ruth, Ann, and Jan, you know, singing, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Man, the Lord's got a sense of humor, amen? And we're at the Baptist church. I mean, no church we would have picked, but we saw that church. We saw people getting saved. We saw people learning the Word of God. We were memorizing scriptures from the Shakespeare Bible, amen? We were just going, yeah, we couldn't get enough. We started going to everything they did. And so, you know, it was God. That's what it, you just got to let it be and do, do, what do he say? Do as occasion serve thee. God said it in front of you. It's like when the kids were growing up. At our house, if mom cooked it, I don't care what you think about it. You eat it and say thank you. Amen? Amen. That's how I grew up and that's how I raised the kids. You don't, man, let me tell you something. My, at my dad's table, if you dare said, I like or I don't like, the plate just went shh like this. My mom, my dad would look at my mom. He'd say, and that meant get them off my table. You weren't eating. And he'd just slide it to one of the other brothers or sister and they'd eat it. And you were gone, man. You didn't even get to explain like, daddy, nothing, man. You were, my mom just, <laughs> You know, you know how your dad is. Man, you were out of there. And so, <laughs> so and, and sometimes you just got to do that. We overthink the things of God. Maybe I shouldn't. I'm not quite sure. Honey, we got to pray about this again. He just says, this is God showing you. He is showing you that he can, you know, he, he can confirm his calling. Anyway, let's do this last one, number six. So I don't go too long here. Number six is he says, thou shalt be turned into another man. Okay, verse six. That's what he says to Samuel, says to Saul. And in this one, uh, and he talks about the Holy Spirit, you know, working in his life. Boy, some of us, man, let me tell you, when I got saved, you know, before I was saved, uh, I could lie, and it, in my brain, it wasn't a lie. Amen? Was anybody lost before you were saved? I could do things, and it really wasn't right or wrong. But once I got saved and the Spirit of God moved in, oh, man, all of a sudden it was like, man, I don't know. This being a Christian thing is like having a conscience inside of me. This is really uncomfortable. You know, and you're trying to find somebody to talk to. You're like, can I talk to you about this? Do you ever feel really guilty just being you? Amen? I mean, I think and I'm guilty. You know, just like, oh, my goodness. We talked to the people that the, her cousin was going to the Church of Christ. And so she said, man, I want you to meet our pastor. We go over there and sit there. And I don't know my Bible. I don't know anything. We're talking to this guy, and he's talking about all his stuff. And, and I'm trying to think, wow, man, I don't think so. I think that the Bible says you're saved because of Jesus, you know, and on the cross. And he's talking about baptism and all this stuff. And I said, wait, wait a second. Did you just say every time you sin, 
you got to get baptized again? I said, how often do you baptize? And he says, well, several times a year. I said, man, I would just have to live in your baptistry. I said, I would just have to be in there full time. You just dunk me down, dunk me down, dunk me down. I'd be in there all the time. You know, I said, I just got saved. I, how, that's crazy. You know, and so anyway, God in, in, in this one, he says, God, you're going to come to this. You're going to be a new man. The Spirit of God's going to start working in your life. And some of you, boy, could we testify that that was an uncomfortable thing? But it was the confirmation of the calling of God. It was that you, when you got saved and the Spirit of God moved in, if you are saved, Spirit of God moved in and started working in your life. That is a, uh, that is a beautiful thing. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, where it says, These things have are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Okay? To, written to believers. And it says that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know how we know that we have eternal life? It's not because you're smart. It's not because the Word of God says it. It's because if you got saved, the Spirit of God said, like my dad, thump you on the back of the head. You know? That's what the Spirit of God does. You know, and you go, okay, I guess, man, let me tell you something. Hey, this is, and the Spirit of God says, we're in, we're in, we're saved. You believe the promise, the grace of God. I wouldn't be here if you didn't have the grace of God. That's what the Spirit of God's saying to you. And that's what Samuel says to Saul. You're going to start seeing the activity of the Spirit. You're going to be a different man. You're going to start thinking different. You're going to start seeing different things. You're going to start witnessing the activity of the Spirit. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church in chapter 1, that's what he says. He says, hey, you can't learn this stuff on your own. You need the, the natural man receiveth not the things. Okay, you've got to have the spiritual man receives the things of God. And then you, even then, you can be a carnal Christian and get it all messed up. Amen? You can, you can, you can quench the Holy Spirit where the Spirit of God goes, whoa, we're, this is not what we're doing. We've got to do different. But you begin to see the activity. And that is a confirmation of the calling of God in your life. This is God confirming that he is doing this where you can, you can know. Uh, Romans chapter 8 talks about as many as are led by the Spirit are the children of God. You know, we talk a lot about following the leading of, the, of, of Christ, of the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. Jesus shows up and he just says, follow me to the apostles. You can't do that without the Spirit of God. And that is what, that is the, that is the confirmation. Uh, I remember when I was newly saved and we were going to the Baptist church and I grew up in that town. You know, when you grow up in a town all those years, you know, you have a lot of friends, you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And if they'd have seen me standing on the front porch of the Baptist church when they drove by, they'd have just gone, looked over and gone, what did I just see? You know, was that Greg Perkins standing on the front porch of the Baptist church? And I remember thinking, man, I know that I have received Jesus Christ. I know it is the spirit of God working in me because there's no place I'd rather be. Man, I'm standing on the front porch of the Baptist church and thinking, if I can just get through Ruth Ann and Jan singing, <laughs> I get to hear the preaching again, you know. I am so glad to be here. I don't care who sees me. And I showed up for work days, and I showed up for this and that. And I was like, man, let me tell you something. That is the confirmation of God. That is God working in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen? Anyway, so let's finish where we started. There are people in this room. And God is calling you 
God is leading you to make decisions. And it's not ministry or it's not this or that. Maybe tonight it's to get saved. Okay? And you're thinking, man, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right direction? And what did Samuel say to Saul? He said, you just need to let it be. You can think and think and think. Somebody told me about Christ, and uh, my sister told me about Christ, and I just, it took me a year. It took me a year to overthink it. And some of it was just to avoid that step of faith. Okay? Tonight, you can know for sure that you will not face the creator of all things in judgment. Man, let me tell you, this is a good deal, huh? That's the best deal going. That you can know for sure, you can say, I, I've settled it. I've put a conclusion on my faith. That's what you're saying. Well, is he going to put a conclusion on this sermon? Is he ever going to stop? Amen. You can put a conclusion on your faith. You can bring it to a point where you just said, man, I am so glad I finished that. No more worried. I trusted the whole thing to Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross is done in my heart. It's by the grace of God. You can do that tonight. But to do that, you're just going to have to let it be. You can overthink it and overthink it and overthink it. And at one point, you're just going to go, I'm done. I'm done worrying. I'm done fearing. I believe Jesus Christ paid for it all. And tonight, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can do that tonight. Christian, there are steps. My wife and I didn't know how to be married. We didn't know how to have kids. We didn't know where in the world did we grow up. Man, you just, how can you not know so much stuff? And we came into Christianity, we started reading our Bible. You just go to the pastor and go, have you ever read this? You know, this is amazing. I thought this was some old archaic book that had nothing to say to us. And I found out everything I did was right there in the book. Everything I needed to know was right there in the book. We were just like, wow, this is incredible. Have you ever read about Paul? He was like, man, where'd you grow up? Did you never go to church? I go, no, didn't, you know, we, maybe I wasn't listening. You know, I don't know. And so anyway, once you come to the point where you say, you know what, I'm going to make that step. I'm just going to let it be. Then you need to do what Samuel said to Saul. You need to do as occasion serves thee. You need to go ahead and do. If tonight God's calling you to get saved, you need to get saved tonight. Don't put it off. You just need to go ahead and do that tonight. Make that first step and you'll find out God's got all the rest of them all lined up. He can handle you. Okay? He can handle you. You're not as big a deal as you think you are. You go ahead and let it be and do as occasion serves thee. Christian, he can help you. You say, well, I had no example of parents. Come on. You think you're the only one who didn't have examples of parents? You think you're the only one who had something bad going on? We all have that background. But at a certain point, you got to go, you know what? I am not defined by the mistakes my mom made or my dad made or anybody else. I am defined now by the Word of God. He said God's going to give you a new heart, going to make you a new man. Okay? But to do that, you have to do as occasion serves thee. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Tonight, as we have our invitation, we pray that you'd simply allow the comparison. This is, this is God's calling and confirmation of Saul. But I think there's a lot of things about it that are very similar to how he works in our life. I think that's very similar. I think that everybody in this room in some way can say, you can say, hey, you know, I, 
I want God. I want God to make me appear. I want to hear my dad, my mom say, man, I'm so proud of you. I want my friends and family to give me a little respect. We all want that. We all want that. And God's saying, man, I'm offering that to you. I'm setting that right in front of you. We all want to be around some people who greatly respect the truth. And God's saying, I, man, I'm setting that right up. You can have that. You can have that tonight. But to do that, you're going to have to make that decision. You're going to have to let it be. And you are going to have to do as occasion serves. Lord, as we have our invitation tonight, we pray that you'd bless those of us who've made some steps. We're excited about the things you call us to do. We know that your calling just continues to lay out new opportunities. We pray that you'd touch the hearts of the people who maybe have decisions to make and are looking for some confirmation and that one of these ideas tonight with Saul would be the motivation to touch their hearts that they would take that step of faith. We praise you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We give you this time. We pray that tonight this invitation would be your invitation. We ask that you bless. Join with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.